This morning we are going to be looking at Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. If you were with us last week, you remember that I, I told you that the book of Haggai in my Bible is one page, the entire book. So it's a book that's easy to miss, but it's a book about a prophet named Haggai who is trying to inspire and motivate the people who are discouraged to build for the glory of the Lord. So Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shetiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now, be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, just note when God says a little while, it's not your in a little while. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. He's talking about the Messiah. What is the desire of all nations is for a Savior. So what is desired, the Messiah, by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Our second reading from the New Testament is found in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. And we ended our Old Testament reading with glory. This word glory appeared at least three times in the last two verses. So Hebrews 1.3, what is that glory? The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful word. After He had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, building together through God's commands and God's promises. I bet some of you wish that it was just building together through God's promises, but that's not how it works. Over the past month, we've been looking at the calling and the challenges 
of building together. Through the books of Ezra and Haggai, we've seen how God brought the Israelites back from exile to build God's temple together. They were charged by God to create a space and a place for the worship of the one true God. And after they returned to Israel from exile, they started out strong. Quickly they were building together. They rebuilt the altar. They laid the temple's foundation. And then as we've seen, they encountered opposition. And as soon as they encountered opposition, they ceased building together. They were discouraged. And for 16 years, the temple was in ruins. Then, in 520 B.C., the word of the Lord came through Haggai. God has, has spoken. And the Lord announces what, what I think some were surprised by during Haggai's day. The Lord announces, your land is cursed. I cursed your land. There's been a drought. I sent the drought. There's no food. I blew it away. You're broke. I put holes in your purses. The Lord is saying to them, you're hungry, thirsty, empty, worn out, discouraged, tired, and broke. There's a reason. And the reason is, my temple is in ruins. You have forsaken the Lord by forsaking the work of the Lord. I heard a preacher say once that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is apathy. Their scarcity was a result of their spiritual apathy. A lukewarm kind of walk with the Lord. Their disappointing life was a result of their disobedience. And the Lord spoke. He spoke once through the prophet Haggai. And they obeyed. They got to work on the work of the Lord. They didn't have to be told twice. They didn't have to be told three times. They didn't have to count to three like Melissa and I do with our daughter. What happens in the scripture is they immediately obeyed. And I guess the first question that I have for you this morning on this beautiful day is, what does it mean for you personally to get to work on the work of the Lord? In your individual walk with God, God has created you uniquely. He's gifted you uniquely. You're a combination of you that no one else is a combination of. What is he calling you personally to get to work on for the work of the Lord? And second, as a congregation, because we know there's more power when we're together, what is he calling the First Presby family to get to work on in terms of the work of the Lord? What are we called to build together. And we know that, that the Ghana Maternity Ward is part of our calling to build together, but what else is he calling us to build together? Haggai chapter 2 begins with a date, the 21st day of the seventh month. If you're still tracking with me, the 21st day of the seventh month is July 21st, according to our calendar, but they were not following our calendar. They were following the Jewish calendar. And in the Jewish calendar, the 21st day of the seventh month is in October. And this October date is significant 
for a couple reasons. First, they had gotten back to work on the temple four weeks prior. They had repented and returned to the work of the Lord. Second, and if, if you were Jewish, and you would, you would know this immediately. It's almost like saying December 25th in our context. The 21st day of the seventh month would be their December 25th. It was the seventh day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And if you are a camper, if you like camping, this was your favorite holiday. Also, if you like camping and you like eating, this was your favorite holiday. Because during the Feast of the Tabernacles, the people descended upon the holy city of Jerusalem for a week of camping, celebrating, and yes, eating. And the reason they spent the week living in tents is because a tabernacle is similar to a tent. And the Feast of the Tabernacles commemorated how God had brought through the, the Israelites, God's people, through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and living in tents or tabernacles. Further, the 21st day of the seventh month was the seventh and final day of the feast. It marked the completion of the harvest. You know what that means. Everyone brought together the last of their crops. It was the final ingathering of all the food. So imagine wine, imagine grapes, imagine olive oil, imagine hummus, imagine everything that you would want on your spread for your holiday. And what would happen is they would see this abundance of fruit and vegetables and they would praise the Lord, the God of the harvest, the God of abundance. They would give thanks to the Lord who is their provider. The, the seventh month, the 21st day, was a day of thanksgiving, a day of celebration, a day to remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Yet... In 520 BC, the 21st day of the seventh month was not a day of celebration. It was a day of disappointment. It was a day of discouragement. Because we know what had happened in Haggai chapter 1. God had cursed their land. They had been in a season of drought. And so on this day that would normally be a day of celebration for the provision of the Lord... It was a day of disappointment. Have you ever been in a season in your life? I'm talking to the faithful. I'm talking to the faithful right now. If you're far from God, this part doesn't relate to you. But I'm, I want to speak to the faithful, okay? Because Haggai's speaking to the faithful in this context. Four weeks prior, they had repented. They had gone back to work on the work of the Lord. They were serving God full on. Yet... The thing that they hoped for, God, had not delivered. Have you ever experienced a season in your life when you're serving the Lord full on and things in your life aren't working out? You're faithful to God and there's no immediate benefit. There's no fruit. The thing that you asked for, you hoped for, and you prayed for, the thing that perhaps you even expected God to do has not come to fruition. Your life doesn't look the way you had hoped. You're 
marital status. You've been serving God in your singleness and you're still single and you're disappointed. Maybe you found the right person and it's been tough. And you've decided to stay and work on your marriage and things have not gotten any easier. Perhaps it's in business, in the marketplace. You function in a high level of honor and integrity and yet your business is still struggling. Perhaps it's in your body, you're still sick. You're smiling on the outside, but on the inside, maybe you haven't told anyone, maybe you haven't even said it to God, but you're disappointed. And you might even be disappointed with God. On the 21st day of the seventh month, God's people were disappointed. And their disappointment was a multi-layered disappointment. Of course, they were disappointed in the harvest, but Haggai is going to address a second area of disappointment. Does it ever seem like nothing's going right? The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shietia, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house, the temple of God, in its former glory. How does it look to you now? How does this sad little puny construction site look to you now? Does it seem to you like nothing? Are you disappointed in the work of the Lord? Last week I ran into one of our neighbors who lives across the street. She has lived across the street for a long time. And she said to me that she thought her earliest childhood memory was when she was five years old. However, her earliest childhood memory was actually when she was two years old. And you won't believe this, but her earliest memory is of the day in which they placed the steeple on top of this very temple. And she remembers when the steeple was shiny and bright and new and she pointed at, at it on a foggy, rainy day and she said, it doesn't look so bright, shiny and new anymore. She actually said, Pastor, I hope you have the money to paint it. She was here when this temple was first built. She was old enough to remember the way that it used to be. And God was directing Haggai to ask the older members of the congregation about how the first temple, Solomon's temple, used to be. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? Who of you is left who was bowling in the basement of the temple on State Street? Who of you is left who remembers the organ pipes before they were covered with a screen. Who of you remembers the site of the former temple, a temple that was filled with hundreds and hundreds of people week in and week out? Who of you remembers the hustle and the bustle and the life in the former temple? And it's only the people in their 70s, 80s, and 90s in Haggai's day because they had been carried off to exile for 50 years. Construction had stopped for 16 years. So unless your earliest childhood memory was when you were two years old. You were in your 70s, 80s, and 90s. It was the old timers who remembered the glory of Solomon's temple. They remembered how the glory cloud of the Lord filled the temple of God. They remember how the priest had to stop 
the service because the glory cloud of the Lord filled the temple. Haggai asks the older members of the congregation, how do things look to you now? They're not smiling. They're not lifting up their hands in praise. Does it seem to you like nothing compared to the old temple, to the good old days? Say, yeah, this seems like nothing. They're disappointed in the rebuilding of the temple. They might even be disappointed in God. Disappointment is dangerous. First, disappointment is contagious. Second, disappointment is dangerous because when we're disappointed, we often give up too quickly. Disappointment drives us to throw in the towel before God tells us to throw in the towel. I remember a story of a friend who went to college and she was so happy about becoming a nutritionist. And she studied and studied and studied and she did well in school until it came time to study organic chemistry. She studied and studied organic chemistry. She worked as hard as she could. And to become a nutritionist in that major, you had to get something like a C or better, or a C plus or better. And she couldn't get that grade. And instead of changing her major, instead of maybe retaking the class, she was driven by disappointment and she dropped out of college completely. Disappointment drives us to give up too quickly. And you can apply this to your career. You can apply this to your marriage. You can apply this to your walk with God. You can apply this to school, any area of your life. If you give up in your disappointment, if you put down something that God has called you to take a hold of, if you give up too quickly and you feel the conviction in your heart that God made you for that purpose, you give up and you think that it's a solution. But what will happen is you'll forever be disappointed. I want to save you this morning from further disappointment. Take hold of what God has called you to take up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. God's not done. God's not finished with them. In Haggai 2, God pulls the people through disappointment by the word of the Lord. What do you do when you're disappointed? You grumble, you complain, you tell everyone about why you're so disappointed in everything that's happening in your life. God pulls God's people through with the word of the Lord. And God pulls God's people through with the commands in the word of the Lord as well as the promises. I know we only want the promises. Hey, God promises this. I can feel good about it. God does everything. I do nothing. But it's the commands of the Lord and the promises that pull God's people through disappointment. So this is the word of the Lord to God's people. But now, be strong, Zerubbabel declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land. Be strong, FPC. Be strong, First Presby. Be strong, you brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I was asking God, what does it mean to be strong? It's so easy to say be strong. I don't know what it means to be strong. How can I be strong if I don't feel strong? So what does it look like for you to be strong? Here's the command. Be strong, declares the Lord, and work. You're disappointed and tempted to give up? Get to work on the Lord's work. You're disappointed and tempted to leave the church? Get to work on the Lord's work. You're disappointed and wondering where is God? Get to work on the Lord's work. 
Work through your disappointment by working in the Lord's work. Don't miss out on the blessing, work. Don't miss out on God's plan for your life, work. Don't miss out on the Lord's victory, work. And when we're willing to work, when we're willing to build together, number one, miracles happen. God accomplishes things that, that we could never accomplish on our own. I, I just, I'm thinking of the Ghana Maternity Award. I'm thinking about how for those people in Ghana, they must have thought, we're never going to finish this. We have so little. We only have a, a money for a few blocks. And then, you know, God sends this church. And for us, it's like, oh, we're just doing the Lord's work. But for them, that was a miracle. That was the presence of God in their midst. That was a powerful testimony that God can do anything. That if they're willing to work, that God will fulfill his promises. And here are the promises. Verse 4. You want the promise? You're, you're, you're putting the, the plow to the, to the ground? I am with you, declares the Lord. That's the promise. For I am with you, declares the Lord. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. This was my marriage vow to you when you came out of Egypt. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Promise number one, I am with you. My spirit remains among you among you. Just for the record, God doesn't promise a bigger harvest. God doesn't promise to restore their fortunes. God doesn't promise that it will be easy. If you've come here this morning thinking, if you check the church box, then God will check all the other boxes in your personal life. That's not the promise. What God promises is himself. I am with you. My spirit remains among you. That's what God's workers get. God. Is that enough of an incentive for you to work on the work of the Lord? Is God himself, is, is that exciting to you? Does that stir you up enough to know that God will be with you? Is that enough of an incentive to get to work on the work of the Lord? Do you love the presence of the Holy Spirit? Do you love the presence of Jesus? Well, if you do, get to work on the work of the Lord. Because God doesn't need to give me his presence in order for me to serve myself. I just have to admit this this morning. I can serve myself without the presence of the Lord. I don't need God's help. I can be selfish all by myself. Can I get an amen? All right, a few people can relate. But in order to do the thing that the Lord is calling our church to do, we need the presence of God. In order for a resurrection and a revival to take place, in order for greater glory to surpass the past glory, we need the presence of the Lord. And he promises it. He promises to deliver in ways that we can't deliver. He promises to do the things that we can't do as long as we work on the work of the Lord. John 15, Jesus says this, if we obey his commands, that he'll be with us. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, he says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And then what are the last words of Jesus in the book of Matthew? Behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. You serve God, God is your prize. God's reward is God's presence. Life won't be easier, growing older won't become easier, but I am with you, says the Lord. My spirit remains among you. Second promise, verse 7. I will shake all nations. And what is desired by all nations 
will come and I will fill this house with glory. This puny little construction site, this house, I'm going to fill it with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And all the older members of the congregation in Haggai can't possibly believe it because they remember the glory of the former house, the first temple, Solomon's temple. Do you know that there was floors, walls, and ceilings covered in gold? That there was intricate carvings, gold-plated ceilings and walls and floors, porticos. And they remember 1 Kings chapter 8. When Solomon prayed and the glory cloud came into the temple, we can't imagine God coming in greater glory than what we saw in the past. But the Lord says, the glory of the future house will be greater than the glory of the former house. The glory of the past will be surpassed by the glory of the future. This is the second promise. And as I stated when we read the scripture, when God says a little while, sometimes a little while is not five, five minutes, five days, even five years. Because this promise did come true, but it came true over 500 years later. The promises of God are not instant. They're not immediate. They finished the second temple in 519 B.C. When they dedicated the temple, there is no record of a great glory cloud. For 500 years, we have no record of greater glory in the second temple. Yet, 500 years later, the greater glory of the Lord enters this temple. This time, the glory of the Lord does not come in a cloud. The greater glory of the Lord, the living, breathing, walking, talking, healing, saving glory of God enters the temple, and His name is Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.3, the Son is the radiance of God's glory. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Jesus, the radiance of God's glory, enters the temple. Jesus, the radiance of God's glory, cleanses the temple. Jesus, the radiance of God's glory, teaches in the temple. Jesus, the radiance of God's glory, heals in the temple. Jesus, the radiance of God's glory, preaches that he is the temple of God in the temple. He prophesies, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Jesus, the temple of God, was destroyed, hung on the cross, and in the words of Isaiah 53, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Through the destruction of Christ, the temple, all who place their faith in Christ have peace with God. This is the third and final promise through Haggai. And in this place, I will grant peace, says the Lord Almighty. Jesus, the radiance of God's glory, the temple of God, is our peace. Christ lives in us, so in this place, in these temples, we have the peace of Christ. God called them to build together. They were disappointed. They thought, God can't use what we're trying to build. Yet God enters the temple. God cleanses it and fills it with his glory. Thank God Haggai's congregation didn't let disappointment win. They got back to work on the Lord's work. 
They said yes to God's commands. They believed in God's promises. And God came in His glory. Church, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And it doesn't mean bigger. It doesn't mean richer. It means Jesus promises to enter this place. That Jesus will heal in this place. That Jesus will teach in this place. That Jesus will cleanse this place. That Jesus will revive this place. Because the greater glory is now, is coming. Jesus promises to grant peace in this place. So as we build together, let not disappointment stop us. Instead, may we be moved by God as they were moved in Haggai's day by God to fulfill his commands and believe in his promises and work until the Lord comes in his glory. May it be so. Amen.